Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. This is Josh, recording this on Wednesday, May 29th, 2019. It's a bit of a different format for us this week. You're about to listen to a show that we recorded while we were panelists at the Ottawa Comic Con. Lee, Ian, Andrew, and myself were on hand to chat about the Mayfair. If you are tuning in in a timely manner and we're looking for the movies that we are screening from May 31st to June 6th, I'll give you a quick rundown here of our schedule. On screen this week, the new Canadian film The Grizzlies, which was a TIFF Best Canadian First Feature Film nominee, Diane, a Tribeca Film Fest Best Narrative Feature Screenplay and Cinematography Award winner, the Aretha Franklin documentary Amazing Grace is held over for a third week, Shadow, an Asian Film Awards Best Cinematography, Costume, Production Design, and Sound Award winner. And finally, Babylon, a classic Ottawa premiere of the 1980 film. So after a quick trailer here, just to break things up, we will get underway with our recording from Ottawa Comic Con 2019. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. More things happen in this movie than in six ordinary action films, says Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. This way, this way! The Goonies is awesome adventure. Indy Jones, look out, says Pat Collins of the CBS Morning News. Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. The Goonies, rated PG. My name's Josh. I've been hosting panels all weekend. We are all involved in the Mayfair. This is Andrew, who's one of our managers, and two of my co-owner partners, Ian, and on the end, Dave Filoni. <laughs> or Lee DeMar. Or Lee. And Melissa's here. Our manager, yeah. Melissa, is here as well. Some of our regular She's trying to keep a little yeah. profile. She's undercover. She's trying not to be associated with us. So, Lee, right before you got here, I was just trying to give away some prizes, and I said, how many people in the audience are Mayfair members? And only one gentleman came up with a card to get a prize. Oh. So that means some of you maybe don't visit the Mayfair a ton, so we're going to try to pitch you on coming to visit the Mayfair more often. Maybe I'll start with just a brief little history of the theater. We were open in 1932, and these are just kind of like the bullet points you can find online. But the really interesting thing is from 1932 until the 1970s was the same family, according to the internet, which is never wrong. The Robertson family owned this theater for decades and decades. Mm Mm-hmm. And then my favorite part in the middle of between that family and then the Mayfair of my era, like between 89 and 94, I just lived at the Mayfair. That was my high school years. And it was the double bill era. It was the first place I saw Monty Python and David Lynch stuff and Akira and all these kind of movies. But in the 1970s for a couple of years, we were a full-blown X-rated theater when House of Target across the street was a strip club, which is this weird era because we've got all these like, you know, rich people who live around us yeah but so that was the 70s then the double bill era and then the theater was going to go away in i think it was mid late 2008 the media got a hold of it and said the mayfair is closing and then it didn't because especially because of these two guys on the end were on the ground then so maybe you guys can comment on Saving the Mayfair. I, I, got, I got to credit John Yeeman, who had the idea. Ian and I had just finished a film. Ian's my screenwriting partner. Yes. We filmed, finished a film called Smash Cut. We just shot at the Mayfair. And one That's of the right. Pre- we saw it. Exteriors at the Bytown and interiors at the Mayfair. Yeah, it's, I don't know if you've ever they seen the movie nice Smash Cut. It's a strange movie where you film at the Bytown on the outside, and when you go inside the Bytown, it's the Mayfair. It's really confusing for people from Ottawa. No one else notices. 
But I got to know Paul Gordon, who was working at the Mayfair. He was a projectionist, and he mm-hmm. wanted to open up a cinema with me. And was talking for like a year or two about going opening a cinema somewhere in Ottawa. We looked at the Gladstone. Steve Martin took that over and couldn't <laughs> compete with Steve Martin. Not the Steve Martin. <laughs> Just a, a guy Steve, named Steve, a Martin. Steve Martin. Martin. Friendly fellow. So far as we know. And we were gonna. We, we had all these different ideas, and then Paul said, "Oh, the Mayfair is closing. Maybe we can take it over." I'm like, well, that's a dumb idea. It's closing for a reason. <laughs> it's closing because people stopped going. Who's going to open going. an independent cinema in 2009? It's ridiculous. I saw a marquee. Dumbass idea. <laughs> I saw a marquee on a cinema in London recently that said, uh, every time you download a torrent, a cinema somewhere in the world closes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's true. But anyway. Is it, isn't that the last line of the It's Wonderful Life? <laughs> so what, what happened is um, the uh, Shoppers Drug Mart wanted to uh, tear down the Mayfair and build it. So that's who we were competing against, like this big entity. I remember driving up Bank Street one, and I, once, and I counted all the shoppers on Bank Street. It was 11, from Parliament all the way up to uh, South Keys. Anyway, John said, John Eamon said, I have an idea how to compete with shoppers. Why don't we have the building declared a historical site? So he went to uh, the city of Ottawa and put in an application, and lo and behold, the yeah. Mayfair was saved. It was him, and there was a group strata. called the Friends of the Mayfair who really rallied together and convinced and the city to declare it a historical, uh, a heritage building. McDonald's. We got a plaque and everything. Plaque and everything. The same, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the same year that McDonald's on Rideau Street got this, this historical status. So don't worry about <laughs> McDonald's, everyone. It's not going anywhere. They're only open until 10 now, so it's <laughs> a lot safer. Go. So then there was an idea, how do we, the building save now, it has to remain a theater, how are we going to get people to go to the movie theater religiously? And so I didn't want to do the same thing, I didn't want to do double bills, it was for a long time, we were just showing Hollywood, first, second run Hollywood movies, we at a discounted rate, and that's what failed, so... I worked at the Bytown Cinema for 10 years, and I thought, let's do the Bytown. Let's give the Bytown a run for its money in a way. But let's have fun doing it, too. Let's have fun and not show some trashy films uh, on the weekends. We do a thing called Saturday Night Cinema. So if you're a member of the Mayfair, you can come see free movies on the, uh, on the last Saturday of every month at midnight, and we show wild, crazy movies we don't want you to tell your parents about. Sometimes uh, on 35mm, too. And yes, and Josh has his Saturday morning cartoon party, which does mm-hmm. really, really well. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, the idea of having more art house films. So we move a lot of movies over from the Bytown to the Mayfair. We try to bring in a lot of movies that's not showing anywhere in Ottawa. And, you know, we, you know, at, 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 the, at the beginning, we were moving a lot of movies over from the Bytown. But nowadays, we get movies before the Bytown sometimes. We get the new Werner Herzog Very film. Up. New Werner Herzog? Like his new film is coming at the Mayfair. That is crazy. I was just yeah. in Chicago and they were, he was at the Star Wars celebration while well, they were talking about him anyway. Anyway, he so. That, he heard that guy get killed by a grizzly bear. That's right. He listened to that <laughs> so that his friend wouldn't have to. Now he's meeting Gorbachev. Yeah. The new film's so. called Meeting Gorbachev. I'm really excited to have and that. In, it was so. funny. When we, when we first started, it was 35 millimeter and we had a really. I'm sorry, is there any kids in the audience? Okay, good. He has his headphones on. <laughs> we had a really shitty video projector, like a really bad one. We used oh, to show pr- our premieres on the video projector, and I can't believe we charged a mission for this crappy little projector. And then what happened is then the digital, digital so took got over. better. I can't believe it was so long ago. In yeah. 2012, we did a big Kickstarter, or sorry, Indiegogo fundraiser yeah. to get a projector because projectors are really expensive. And any business, like pretend if you're a restaurant or an art gallery or whatever, and something big like that comes up, most businesses don't have that big chunk of money. So we did this fundraiser, and it's so much work. And I have friends who have done comic book fundraisers or bands, and it's not easy. It's a full-time job in itself just keeping that running. 
But not only did we succeed, we made, we went over, we did really well, and got this digital projector. It was a $20,000 projector, if I remember correctly. And that all money came from our members and, uh, and allowed us to continue. It was something. I, I didn't think we yeah. I thought it would, I, I, so many single screen theaters across North America closed because they couldn't convert to digital. And um, it was a crazy, it's a wonderful life feeling because the businesses that came out to help, even there's a store across the street from us called Framed. And not only did they chip in, they donated a full movie poster size frame once a month. That's right. 12 yeah. of them. Like, that's a lot of money. We had bands come in. We had special screenings. We had donations from artists. We did all kinds of crazy stuff. But I remember the first movie we watched on the fancy new projector was Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like I'm being like nerd facetious, but my wife Gwen and I were sitting there watching it. And I was like, this is the most beautiful edition of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And I was just like teary-eyed. I'm like, we're going to be okay. This is going to be okay. And the silver lining is a lot of film enthusiasts were like, oh, it's the death of film. But what really has happened is it allows independent filmmakers to get stuff on screen a lot easier. It's allowed weird old stuff, places like Agfa mm-hmm. down in the States, which we show a ton of stuff from. All these the weird American old movies get to be film showing weird movies like that. And then every once in a while, we still get to show something on film. It's rare, but we are in the lucky position where we have a really big projection booth. And we have a 35 millimeter film collection yes. at yes. home. If you meet Chewbacca this weekend, don't tell him that we have all the Star Wars films on 35mm in the basement of Mayfair because he'll send Kathleen Kennedy to come over and get us. <laughs> <laughs> Team Kennedy. Or Bob Iger or any of those people. Yeah, you know, it's fun to show 35mm. Our projectionist bought a 35mm print of John Woo's Hard Target. And he's like, Lee, let's show it at Saturday Night Cinema. So we did that. We had a, You were there. That was a fun screening. And 35mm, it looks on the screen. I mean, it's funny when you watch some of these older movies on home video. Because on home video on your TV, the blacks don't look right. And sometimes mm-hmm. special effects don't look so good on, on tube TV or your HD TV. But on the big screen, a lot of these films were color corrected for the big screen on 35mm. So these, like, the Star Wars movies, all those special effects from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, look stellar on the big screen. On projected on 35, but maybe on home video, you can see the black separate a little bit and you can see it looking phony. So I don't know. I always say you can go on Google and type in the Mona Lisa or you can go to the Louvre and go see the Mona Lisa and come to the Mayfair and come see something on 35 <laughs> if you have a chance. But digital too is a controversial opinion for an owner of a movie theater. <laughs> but 35 millimeter, like I think it's kind of like the heyday. You know, all these old movies are being scanned, they're going finding negatives or prints, scanning them at 2K, sometimes 4K, and they've never looked better. And it's such a delight to be able to show these movies on mm. the big screen. We recently showed Nude on the Moon. There were Doris Wishman's Nude on the Moon. And I was looking at how spectacular it looked. There was this movie uh, that before the moon, first moon landing, it was a, the, this female filmmaker from Florida imagined what would life be like on the moon. And she imagined a nudist colony. We would be a, out there. A Florida nudist colony, <laughs> yeah. And it looked so spectacular. It looked like, I've seen that movie many times, but I, I swear it's never, like they go back to the negative and then they color correct it. Even better than it ever looked. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's joyous watching older films we, now. We showed, a, I think it was a 4K restoration of Suspiria, and it, it looked like it was shot yesterday. Yeah. It was like gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like That's the testament of celluloid. You know, we have a 2K projector, and that's 2,000 lines of resolution. At home, when you go watch your televisions at home, that's 1,000 Ks. That, that's a 1K HD screen. Some people have now 4K TVs. IMAX is equivalent to 4K. They've got two 2K projectors sitting on top of each other showing IMAX. <laughs> 
But 35 millimeter is still equivalent to 6K. So it's still considered to be the best way to watch a, a film. And I think there's only two cinemas in Ottawa, actually three now that can show 35. The Bytown still can. They don't often. The Arts Court has a new theater and they have a projector up there, right, right Melissa? And Melissa works there. 70 millimeter. I have a 70 millimeter projector in my basement. I just need lenses and I'll bring it over to the Mayfair. We'll you could have watched The Hateful Eight at your place. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, cinema good. So I, <laughs> that's on your gravestone. <laughs> I wanted to comment on the controversy. I forget when we did this. A few years ago, we went to a weekly schedule versus a monthly oh. schedule. And at the time, uh, I remember people, some people losing their minds that we were going to a weekly schedule. When we explained kind of the ins and out of it, of, you know, you program weekly, you could do stuff last minute, you could hold things over. The distributors kind of like you a bit better. And kind of, I have a few go-to examples. But one is, sadly, when Prince died, we were able to show Purple Rain really fast. Like, it was like the Sunday after. Mm-hmm. And after say if you had been locked into a two-month schedule like our friends at the Bytown, it could have been three months away to do that. So we packed the place. And it was one of my favorite Mayfair screenings ever. There was people dancing in the aisles. Everyone had their Prince concert shirts on. And it was this really great, fun night. So there's that example. Or, like, when we show Brooklyn and could hold it over for seven weeks. Right. So just like John Singleton passed last yes two Mondays ago mm-hmm. we should, we were able to put on Boys in the Hood as a tribute screening right away if we were waiting if we had our one month schedule come next month to see Boys in the Hood when people would probably would have forgotten the passing of poor John Singleton yeah. but I, I tell I tell our members that the best business decision we made was going from a monthly schedule to a weekly schedule. And that was the one thing I think that the Mayfair Theater in Orleans gave us. We had the Mayfair, we had an Orleans Mayfair Theater in Orleans in the suburbs for two years, and we showed art house and movies in the suburbs. And we did, we were doing well. We were bringing more people in than the Rainbow was bringing in. And art house was working in Orleans, but then a millionaire from Gatineau got me kicked out and got us kicked out. I was programming weekly in the Orleans and seeing how well it worked, taking movies off the Bytown screen and putting them right into Orleans. And when the Mayfair Theater Orleans closed, I tried to convince everyone, let's try it at the, at the, on Bank Street. And man, did it make a difference. Yeah, I and love it. Now our summers are not dire. It's sometimes. Ten years ago, it was, why we even open in the summer? No one's coming. But now we're getting newer movies in, and, and we can stay open. We don't have to worry from September till uh, mid-April. Right. But end of April till mid-August, we have to compete with the, the weather, the good weather and the sun yeah. and, and Avengers and all that it's stuff. It's important to stay open. It is important to stay open. Mm-hmm. Andrew Lapointe needs a job. Yes. <laughs> That's why I was so happy when we screened. And again, you can make these last-minute decisions. Is I emailed Lee, and I was like, oh, it's it's Alien Day in a week. Oh, yeah. And we might never get to screen Fox movies again. Can we screen Alien on? And I said, it's a Friday night, which is a prime night, but can we do that? And we did it, and like 200 people showed up on Avengers night. And it's so nice. And I jokingly like making you know tweets and stuff and saying, if you people keep on showing up to these weird retro movies, we're going to have to keep showing these weird retro <laughs> movies. Because it was a few years back we would try and just people wouldn't show up. And the one that I will never forgive was Goonies, where we were showing Goonies and hundreds of people online were, you know, giving thumbs up and saying they were going to come. And, and it was going to be, I was like, we're going to be packed. It's going to be great. And there was four people in the audience, one of which was me. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's it. We're just going to play old lady movies from that's now on. A, that's what that. killed Goonies, too. That's what yeah, Goonies, that was too, was going to go. Richard Donner got word of our lousy attendance. Yep. Yeah, if you don't know, Disney just bought 20th Century Fox for their Disney Plus 
what Disney has that no other distributor has with theaters, every theater in North America, probably worldwide, if a Disney movie is older than a year, we can't show it theatrically anymore. They put it in a vault because they want to release Little Mermaid on its 50th anniversary. They want to release Aladdin on its 30th. And to do that, they have to put everything in a vault. And so all these 20th Century Fox titles, that hasn't happened yet. We're waiting for the hammer to come down. will be not available theatrically anymore, which includes Rocky Horror Picture Show, The Sound of Music, and these films that we... Die Hard, I like the slack jaw in the back. Yeah. Yet Disney, you know, Avengers is number one in the boxes. Everyone's so excited that this giant entity is taking art away from the people. You know, let's not celebrate it too much, folks, because they're evil. <laughs> and Star those Wars are the two awful. big ones for us, <laughs> is that we screen... Now we have we screen Rocky Horror once a month and we screen Die Hard every Christmas because it's the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Two years in a row now, I've gone up and done a little introduction before Die Hard, and I remember two years ago, and because you know people don't know behind the scenes, like which is like I don't know anything about how to run a restaurant, you know. <laughs> and I remember saying this might be our last year to screen Die Hard because of everything that Lee just said there, and people audibly gasping in the crowd. Yeah. And in, in the months and two years since then of explaining to people, and people will still say, oh, the new Star Wars movie's coming out. Are you guys going to play Star Wars? And we're like, no, we, don't you think if we could play Star Wars, <laughs> we'd be playing that Every other all the time. But yeah, so there's this threat looming that Fox might take away all these, all these movies might be gone. Yeah, November, Disney Plus goes online. November is available. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Maybe it won't happen, right? They've created something called 21st Century Fox, and that's the, what 20th Century Fox is called now. I talk to Jean from 20th Century Fox every Monday. She doesn't know what's happening. She thinks she's got her her desk all, you know, everything packed away in boxes. She's any day she thinks she's going to be kicked out of the office, but and, and they're just waiting to find out what Disney has to say. I think we'd probably know by November what's going to happen if we can show Rocky Horror Picture Show again. We show Rocky Horror Picture Show once. We have been for 10 years showing it once a month at the Mayfair, and, and it always does really well. The Room is a film we show once a month. Disney doesn't own The Room yet. <laughs> I think Tom yes. has as much money as Disney's. I think The Room people is... Don't even, people don't even know that uh, Ottawa has like a huge history with Rocky Horror Picture That's Show. Right. It was yeah. The world premiere of Rocky Horror Picture Show happened in Ottawa. The, it, was the, supposed to, it was supposed to be at a festival in England, but when the programmers saw the film, they passed on it. The Ottawa so Film it Expo. Up, it ended up having its world premiere in Ottawa. Yeah. At the Ottawa Film Expo with an NAC. Frank Taylor is a member of the Mayfair. Uh, anyway, Frank Taylor comes to the Mayfair, and he was the programmer yeah. for the Ottawa Film Expo, and he tells me stories. He has Tim Curry's uh, phone number in his Rolodex at home. <laughs> Rolodexes were these things before iPhones. I don't know. It's fun who comes to the Mayfair, the people you meet, and I don't know. It's, it's so fun just to stand at the uh, exit and watch people come down the stairs and talk. Mostly, we only show good movies, by the way. So most people are gushing about what they see, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's fun talking to we people. We did a Charlie Chaplin festival a couple of times, and this older lady came up to me and took out this picture and it was Charlie Chaplin and this other man, and she said, that's my father and Charlie Chaplin together. Wow. So Charlie Chaplin was not her father. No. <laughs> it's, still pretty, it's still a pretty good story. <laughs> and we got new toilets, too. Yeah. And the men's washroom and the women's washroom. That's it. Hope you see you at the main <laughs> So we briefly just mentioned the room. We have to talk about that. The we, room. This wasn't, you know, part of the plan. But the Mayfair holds the world record for screening The Room as of this month, 117 months in a row. That was last night. Yeah. And it seems like just yesterday. I remember did, did going... Guinness, did Guinness ever get back to you on that? No, I contacted Guinness. Yeah. And they don't care. <laughs> I guess they <laughs> I, I, uh, 
I filled out all these forms. It's, <laughs> it's relatively right. easy to do, but I filled right. out all these forms and gave them a bunch of references and a bunch of stuff. And they basically sent me a nice form letter saying that we don't care about this. Because <laughs> that would be great. I would love to have a plaque on the wall. Saying, yeah. Well, just we can make they put one. it over top of the heritage plaque. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> More screenings of the room. But I remember going into the office and Lee was doing some stuff on the computer and he said, look at his trailer. So this must have been like nine and a half years ago or whatever. And it was from The Room. And I remember being like, what is this? And it was yeah. just when the ball was rolling for it in Los Angeles and a few yeah. other screenings. So cut to 2019, and we've screened it 117 times. We're briefly in the Disaster Artist film. We have a good friendship with Greg, That's who right. comes back a lot. Does everyone know the film The Disaster Artist? It's on Netflix. At the end of the movie, they have this montage of, today, Tommy and Greg are still best friends, and you can see the Mayfair. The first shot of them together is at the Mayfair on stage. I was standing beside them, but I'm not in the shot, and I wish I could go so back gross. eight years ago and say, Lee, just get in there, and you can be in a major Hollywood movie. <laughs> um, but that, that's pretty cool. Greg really likes the Mayfair and made sure that it was featured in the film. Greg Sestero comes nice off of the Mayfair. He showed his two new films, Best Fiends, Volume 1 and 2. He's doing a film in fall. He'll be back. Yeah, the room's a spectacular thing. I was there last night. I invited Chewbacca. I met Jonas last night. I invited him, and he, and he really wanted to come. He didn't show up, but if you meet him, tell him to go to the Mayfair tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I really want Chewbacca at the Mayfair. Yeah. What was I going to say? But yes, the room is not dying. I keep, you know, when the room slowed down a little bit, I don't know who we were talking about this last night with Anya or somebody, but the room died down just a little bit, and then the disaster came, artist came along, and it picked back up again. And, you know, you would think think that the room is going to die down again now that the disaster artist is out. But Greg told me something new that's happening that might make the room bigger and better than ever. So, and people uh, will say... IMAX? James Franco wants to uh, do a Broadway play of the disaster. No. <laughs> so he's working on that, and that might be a worldwide thing, right? So pretty... I, Greg Sestero sent me a photo from the United Kingdom. He was in England showing the movie, and Tom Hardy showed up to the screening of The Room. And wanted an autograph from Greg. I don't know. I was that was thrilling because Tom Hardy's probably the greatest young actor working movies right now. And he just showed up on his motorcycle and took his helmet off. Tom Hardy book. of Venom. Of Mad Max Fury Road, Bronson. That Tom Hardy. No, the Venom Tom Hardy. He's someone different. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but people will ask. Got his own Eminem theme song. <laughs> people will ask, That's why cool. are we still screening it? And I'm like, well, it's supply and demand. You keep coming to it. Like, it's yeah. that simple. We've tried other stuff, but it, it shows you how interesting the cult movie tag is. We play Rocky Horror in the Room. Mm -hmm. And in 40 years, there have been other cult movies, but nothing has caught on like that. We've tried a couple other times to show yeah. some stuff. We've had some success with Neil Breen in the last little while. But there have definitely been people who've tried to make the Neil, next room, the, yeah. the Birdemic guy yeah. and whoever, but... I'm yeah, excited. Most of them just haven't caught on. I'm excited. Next week we're showing uh, two new action films from Uganda. Oh, Uganda's yes. never had an action cinema before. Now they've got two. They, these movies look like they were shot on VHS. I don't know how they were photographed. One's called Who Killed Captain Alex, and the other one's called Bad Black. Because they're black actors and they're really bad guys, I guess. And the trailers are sensational. The posters are out of this world. I've been wanting to show these movies so so long, and I tried to email the filmmakers in Uganda. I don't know. I tried faxing them, and the, and finally we got these films coming to the Mayfair. There's only one night only. It's Wednesday and Thursday of next week. Who killed Captain Alex? If, if the room at all means anything to you, come see Uganda's answer to the room. They, they call themselves uh, the best of the best movies. Yeah. <laughs> They're very confident. Yes. Was there, was there a question out there? I thought I saw someone raising their hand. No. no. Yep, oh. That guy. 
Yeah, I, blood, I, I, blood in the Snow Festival. I imagine they will. They did well with it. I imagine them will. That was a rental. These guys came in with a little horror festival, and yeah, it did really well. So I'm sure, yeah, that will come back. I don't think I've said no often, or we've ever said no often that people want to rent the theater. If you want mm-hmm. to rent the theater and put on a festival or or show your independent movie, or or, or get married, or get married. <laughs> If you want to give us money in any way, <laughs> we'll probably say yes. But I know, but I mean, like, part of our mission has been to provide a venue for independent filmmakers, especially Canadian filmmakers. So we've shown a lot of that stuff over the last decade. I remember going back, Ian and I made a film called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter 10 years ago, 20 years ago? 2001. So 2000? Old. It's old. It's almost 20 <laughs> years old now. Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Ian wrote it, I directed it. And we showed it at the, at the Bytown for a week and sold out every screening. Every uh, screening? Yeah, wow. it was nuts. The lineups were around the block. It was like, I remember being... I feel like we should be richer than we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got this cool. nice hat. Yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, every time we do an independent film at the Mayfair, it, it makes me think about 20 years ago when we did that. Mm. It's, it's really rewarding to spend a long time making a movie and having it on the big screen. It's actually almost probably the single best thing about making an independent movie is being able to show it uh, on a big screen to strangers and, and people you know. And it's thrilling. It's better than money. Oh, better than okay. being rich <laughs> is putting smiles on people's faces. It's very pure of you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm being sincere. It sounds funny. <laughs> no, no, honestly, like I have a, I got rust on my car. But that's okay. Shown her film. It, it adds character. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was a few years ago, back when we were showing film all the time, and it might have been for Family Day or something. But we played The Princess Bride, mm-hmm. and our he's here. He's here. One They're of the princesses. Yeah. One of the actors. And Matthew, our projectionist at the time, one of our projectionists. I was chatting with him after the movie, and the crowd. It was a big crowd. They're all still just rolling out, and this the most adorable little girl you've ever seen in your life. Like this could have been, it was like a Coke commercial. Walked up to us and was like, somehow knew that we were Vapor people, and said, "Thanks so much for showing my favorite movie," and walked out. And our hearts just melted right there, like it was it. And you'll have stuff like that, and especially kids coming for the first time. And I like ruining the experience of them going to the multiplex because they come to the Mayfair and they see the stained glass windows and the one big screen and everything, all the cool little toys we have around. And then I've heard stories. People will then, my friends' kids will go to like the multiplex and be like, what's this? This is a warehouse. This is horrible, you know? We've never had anything stolen, have we? No. All those things up around the Mayfair, all those memorab- movie memorabilia things, nothing has been taken. To be fair, yeah. they're not very valuable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At all. We had a Death Star. We had the Canada Death Star from 1978. Yeah, yeah. That's worth something. People will be shocked. Like, we're, we really run on a, a skeleton crew most of the time. And at any given time, especially now that. Well, who's working know, right now? Oh my God! Yeah, we're all here. We're all um, at any given time. You have somebody in the box office and somebody in the candy bar. The projection booth is a robot now, so that's all taken care of. Still run by a projectionist, but robotically. Yes, actually, sorry, you're unless we're showing something on film. But people will come in, and non-regulars just even come in and shock that we don't have somebody ripping tickets, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And it really comes to the point of like, if you're gonna rip off a little independent cinema, like that's on you. That's that's on your karma wheel. Yeah. And we do find, and the amount of times that people, I'll have times where if I had to like run upstairs and do something and then come back down, someone will come out after the movie and be, oh, I, I came in and you were gone and I owe you $7 oh, yeah, still. Yeah. That's happening. That happens yeah. all the time yeah. of people coming back after and giving us more money. Yeah. So you're so, saying there's hope for humanity. Just at the Mayfair. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty well, good. Even though uh, what Josh has said that we went, when we switched to digital, a lot of things became automated. So we don't need a projectionist up in the booth, but we have 
we pay, we spend a lot of money on real projectionists. So when you go to the Silver City, Silver Shitty, <laughs> or, or uh, Lansdowne. No, there's Scotiabank <laughs> now. All those movies are controlled by one laptop in Toronto. One guy's got a laptop and he has all the lighting cues and, the, and what trailers are going to be playing. I remember I went to see some, I can't remember what movie it was. And the lights came on before the movie ended, just before the end credits. And I complained to the usher. He was like, there's nothing we can do about it. It's all controlled out of Toronto. So you can't even complain yeah. at the multiplexes anymore. I don't want to complain about the multiplexes. I want to say that we have these projectors. Marcus yeah. and Melissa now is a, like a professional projectionist. And we have Nick Humphreys. And we spend a lot of money. And we have eyes and ears in the screen. So at the Silver City... If it's out of focus, they don't know. You have or to go care. tell them. <laughs> if the sound's mono when it's supposed to be 7.2 surround sound, they're not going to know unless you tell them because they don't have eyes and ears in the theater. They have this little... I don't know if you've ever gone to a movie, uh, a multiplex. They have these post-it notes at the front of the, by the screen, and the usher's supposed to come in, check the sound. He's supposed to look, make sure it's in focus, make sure no one's beating anyone up, sign it, and leave. But they just come in, they sign, they leave. They don't even look. I watch them not look at the screen and leave and... And it drives me nuts. And anyway, you beat them up. <laughs> then, then, then we get in the fight. But at the Mayfair, Marcus comes in, and he's reinvented the wheel. So we don't need to be in the booth, as he said, anymore, because Marcus has put a laptop. The laptop that's in Toronto is in our box office. So if, you know, I can walk in and, and what trailers are playing? Let's watch something yep. different. Like m minutes before the movie starts, you can swap out trailers. We can pause the movie if we wanted to. It's really neat, like this contraption that Marcus has invented. This guy should be running Cineplex. He, like, it's fun what he's done and, and made our job not much easier, more fun. And we get to go that extra little mile, again with digital, is that if we're showing Alien, and a lot of times back in 35mm days, unless you had a collection, it was hard to track down trailers. Yeah. So now you can find a pretty decent version of a Friday the 13th trailer or Alien online, and we get to put that on the screen. Just those little extra touches. I could sit here for 45 minutes and just complain about multiplexes. Yeah. Cause I go let's about, do that. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I go about four or five times a year to, this may shock you, to see, you know, nerd movies, and or when I get, like, free passes. So the last highbrow movie I went to see last week was I got free passes to go see Pokemon. And just everything was wrong. Like, the yeah. lights wouldn't go... The lights did not go back on at the end. It didn't fit the screen properly. Like, everything was wrong. And and when you told me about that it's one person in Toronto, that blew my mind. That And that's why they can't fix things. So when you see... Or when the trailers go on after yeah. the movie. Uh, I, I hate all that. Yeah. They don't care. And they advertise... Uh, on-demand stuff. They're advertising Game of Thrones. They're advertising. They're, they're reminding you to just, just stay home and watch. My son is—he's 12 and he says to me, "Dad, why are they? Why are they tell me about Rogers and why is there a Rogers <laughs> ad or the Cineplex website? Now you can go and watch movies online. It's like, shut up! It's so hard to get people out of out of their homes into a movie theater. And people ask me all the time, "What's the best thing about going to see a movie?" Movie. And I used to think before being involved at the Mayfair, I used to think, "Yep." Yeah, the image is bigger. That's number one. The image is bigger, and the sound is all around us. But now you can get big screens at home. You can pull down the screen. Now you can have 7.2 surround sound in your basement. But really, the number one thing is the communal aspect. Yeah. You know, and when I was a kid, I remember how people reacted 
when the Death Star blew up or Ripley ran down and saved Newt. Or I remember the way po- people react in a wet, negative way and a positive way. Bringing, Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead was a good example of how much people hated that when I saw it in the theater. But that's fun. If you can have a, a collective experience with people like 100 or 200 people you don't know and some people you do know, that's magical. And you can leave the theater if no one's leaving the theater like this because most people leave theaters like this now. But if you can find an an ear and you can talk about what you just experienced, it's so nice and something you can never get on Netflix or Hulu or YouTube. You know, everyone when I'm at bars now, people people don't recommend movies to me anymore. They recommend memes. And are you subscribing to this YouTube channel? It's like, shut. I want to talk about the seventh art. (laughs) (laughs) Movies, television hasn't been recognized as an art form yet. I'm not. I'm not. We're not here to rant. Trying to be funny. Pardon me. But we're not here to rant. No, we're not here to rant. (laughs) No, but it's just. It's. I like bringing out the dead. I like that film too. I like it too. But I lost. Who likes bringing out the dead? I like like Martin Scorsese's (laughs) bringing out the dead. (laughs) We got one. Give a poster to the bringing out the dead fan. Any any Kundun fans here? No. What? Uh, we have Kundun. Oh, Kundun. Oh, no, there's nothing. Not even Scorsese is a fan of Kundun. I'm, I'm teasing. We have couches, too, in the balcony. We have couches. People should, and we have three ghosts in the theater. We have two behind the screen and one in the black couch at the back of the theater. There's a ghost there, and he hates when people sit with him. We know this According because we had, to the, yeah. we had these ghostbusters spend a night at the Mayfair. And they paranormal recorded, investigators, yeah. Yeah, paranormal yeah. They recorded sounds. They maybe listened to it, and I didn't hear anything. They're like, "That's a woman," they, and there's and a second. That's why they're the par- paranormal investigators. They know what to listen for. Yeah, they have better ears than we do. Yeah. The maker is so scary so, after hours. If you're there by yourself and you're just about to lock up, because Andrew sleeps there. Oh, that's <laughs> why. Weird. Not every night. Not every Aren't night. Aren't you glad you're not up here, Melissa? That you can make fun of you. <laughs> uh, should we get? Should we? See if people have any questions. We you, still have a bunch of prizes to give out. Yeah, I got a bunch of prizes. So if no one take, I don't want to take these back. So you got to take them. We have a question though. Smash cut, and I quite liked it. Oh, thank <laughs> you. That's, that's very charitable of you. Um, thank you. <laughs> and number two, you're on this weekly schedule, but I'm wondering if there'd ever be any interest in starting up monthly series like they do at the Royal in Toronto. I was a big fan of Laser Blast when I lived there. So. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. That's cool. really cool. Well, yeah, we do. We we do. Thank you for your question. We do more of that in the summer. We try to have like a monthly theme. So last year we did a Kubrick month, mm-hmm. and we did a Tarantino month, and then Melissa's like, too many men. And you're <laughs> right. You're right. So uh, we, in June we're doing. Uh, we did Winona Rider. That was we the festival both, yeah. we did. Pardon me. Winona Rider was. Winona Rider. That's yeah, right. Yeah, we showed Heather's and. Uh, uh, but this summer we have something coming up, Ian. That was your suggestion. It was a Kino Lormer, a woman, uh, a female filmmaker. Oh, uh, Ida Lupino. Y- yes. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I think that's coming up in June. She was a trailblazer. She was. The key um, is, of course, that we did a bunch of monthly festivals and nobody came. Like four people a night. So that's the issue. So when right. people started showing up again, then we could have a bit more leeway yeah. to be like, hey, let's do more of this. Also, yes. we're just like, with the weekly schedule, I think we're just generally doing a little better as a business. So yes. it's sort of when we have, we can show popular movies for a while that allows us to take some chances with our programming. But people, nights. some people don't realize, and you seem like a sophisticated moviegoer, and I'm sure this is not what you're thinking, but a lot of people think we can just show anything we want. We can just put a movie on the screen. But as a licensed theater... We do need a rights holder, and it needs to be a Canadian rights holder. There's a law that says we can't book outside of Canada. We can just show a movie. I can't deal with just the U.S. distributor. But now you have some distributors that are going beyond and getting rights in Canada to show their movies. So, and, and there it, were a lot of movies that 
fell out of like nobody owns the rights anymore. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, like Canada. new movies like Boogie Nights and Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. The, uh, it was Alliance at the time that released those movies. Now it's E1, and E1 let the rights expire. On, like, boogie nights. Yeah. <laughs> we, something needs to be done. We need to talk to the Prime Minister of Canada or something. But the other thing is that distributors aren't really friendly with older titles. So uh, the same terms apply to, like, if we're not going to show The Avengers. But the same apply, if we show, I'm trying to think of a Hollywood movie, Us. This new that new horror film that Jordan Peele did. If we show that, the same terms apply to that movie from Universal Pictures as, as if we show Jaws 2. You know, it's a minimum. So we usually pay about 35% of the box office goes to the distributor, and there's a usually about a $300 minimum. So if six people show up the Goonies or four people show up the Goonies, we still owe $300 to Universal, and we have to pay for Andrew and Melissa to be there. So it's a real gamble to show older films. Do you, is there anything you're interested I like, in saying? I like Jaws, too. Oh, no, it's like Bring of the Dead. Laser Blast? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Did they show a movie called The Astrologer, I think? Yeah. And we showed, oh, we showed yeah. that right. one. Yeah. yeah. That was an experience. Yeah, if yeah. you like that kind of stuff, just keep an eye out for all the Agfa stuff we're showing, because that's that stuff. Or come to Saturday Night Cinema, because that's what, where it'll show. Right. Where we can't tell you what you will see. Yeah. It's funny. Because it's stuff that's not in distribution, but yeah. it appears magically somehow on our screen yeah, for so free. To beat the distribution law, so we can't show, we, we, we only can show things that have distribution in Canada and rights holders. But there's so many good things. So if we wanted to show something wild and crazy with no distributor, Saturday Night Cinema is set up in a way so it's, it's a members-only thing. So it's a private screening for members-only. It's free to get in, but you have to have a membership. And then, then we can show... We showed, we showed a 35-millimeter R-rated print of... X-rated print of Caligula. And oh, that God. was super fun and people had a great time. We used to advertise what we used to show mm-hmm. at Saturday Night Cinema. Saturday Night Cinema presents Caligula or Zardos. Or, and then when we... We were getting small crowds sometimes, but as soon as we made it a secret, as soon as it became we're not telling you what we're showing, we, we get almost ten times the amount of people who come. It's funny. Like this guy, you live in Orleans, right? He comes from Orleans every Saturday night to yeah. see what we're showing. I do lose sleep thinking, I hope you've never shown this movie before because he's coming all the way from Orleans. It's amazing that people come. Why, why do you think, why do you come to see something that you don't know? It's been pretty satisfying, right? We showed a 35mm pit of Blazing Saddles in one Saturday night cinema, and Anya came and saw it. I'm going to watch this funny western with you, and I had no idea what it was. I was totally shocked by all the vulgarity in it. But that's thrilling. I'll never forget watching Blazing Saddles with Anya sitting beside me. You know, I can watch it at home by myself, but it's not as fun. I don't know. Saturday night cinema is sort of our maybe our best example of what, what maybe they're doing in Toronto and having fun at those cinemas. I imagine it's really hard being an independent cinema in Toronto with the TIFF light box open and uh, uh, you can't compete with those guys because it's all grant money and they can afford to have six people show up to Goonies. (laughs) Okay, so we're almost out of time. This always happens on panels. We can just keep talking for like two more hours about this stuff, ranting about multiplexes. So we're going to wrap things up. If you want a prize, just come get one because I don't want to bring this home. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming to the panel. Please keep coming to the Mayfair. We love you. We can keep showing cool stuff if you keep coming to see cool stuff and enjoy the rest of your day here at Comic-Con. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. What has two heads, 412 legs, a German accent, a solid right hook, a scroll, and more laughs than any movie ever made? Now who can argue with that? Blazing Saddles, Rise Again, rated R.